Theologian and Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor tells the story of a retreat she attended in which the opening exercise was sharing a story about someone who had been Christ for them in their lives. She related stories of comfort, compassion, and rescue, about friends who stood by during illness, about mentors who stepped in as surrogate parents, describing the room as feeling warm and almost church-like. All was well with the world until the moment one of the conferees stood up and said, well, the first thing I thought about when I tried to think about who had been Christ to me was, who in my life has told me the truth so clearly that I wanted to kill him for it? Think about that for a moment. This is a good reminder that Christ is not only the one who brings us comfort and saves us, often from ourselves, but also the one who challenges and upsets us, telling the truth so clearly that we will do horrible and outrageous things to make him shut up. Taylor adds, quote, if you do not believe that, maybe it is because you have not recognized Christ in some of the offensive people God has sent your way. Not all of them, mind you, but some of them. People meant to yank our chains and upset our equilibrium so we do not confuse our own ideas of God with God." End quote. It's that truth-telling Jesus we encounter in our gospel lesson this morning, the one today, I suspect, we try to kill off because he continues to bring us face-to-face -face with truths about ourselves, about God, and about the church that we would rather not hear. We pick up where last week's gospel left off. Jesus is teaching in his hometown and has just finished reading from the scroll of Isaiah, at the end of which he states, today scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, or in other words, God is causing it to happen even as you listen. For a moment, people are pretty excited. They like what Jesus has to say. Relief for the poor, release of prisoners, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed. This is what folks want to hear. This is Joseph's son, right? One of us. I can imagine them thinking, hey, I heard he was healing people over in Capernaum. If he did it for those people, I wonder what he has in mind for us, his kinfolk, his community. And with that, their sense of what their community now has that others don't causes them to draw a mental boundary around Jesus. He belongs to them and no one else. But then Jesus goes and ruins the moment. He rightly calls that they probably will not like where this conversation is going because the fact is the good news is not just for them. Jesus doesn't exclude them per se, but he tells them that God's idea of community is much, much bigger than theirs. God's grace is going to be extended to the Gentiles. And in essence, what he is saying is, when I talk about God freeing the oppressed and blessing the poor, the people I'm talking about are people that you can't stand, the people you don't want to sit near, the people you think are your enemies. 
Now you can imagine jaws clenching, the quizzical looks at each other asking, did he really just suggest that? He did. Jesus reminds us of a couple stories where God blessed not Israel, but Israel's enemies. Elijah going to the widow of Zarephath, she a Gentile from the wrong side of the tracks and a woman, and Elisha curing Naaman the Syrian, a non-Jew, leper, an officer in the army of Israel's enemy. Jesus wasn't telling them anything new. These stories would have been known from their own study of scripture, but Jesus is using them in a new way. The good news hasn't changed from what Jesus said just a moment ago, but all of a sudden it becomes clear to the home crowd that this message isn't just for them, that Jesus isn't going to buy into their us versus them mentality, and he's going to require a radical change of their belief of whom God accepts into community. You can see the wheels beginning to turn. What? Jesus isn't here just for us? And not only that, he's going to go to people who don't belong to our tribe, people we don't know, people we don't like, God showing love, generosity, sight to the blind, to all people. What about us? The mood shifts dramatically. This truth that Jesus preaches, a change in attitude and acceptance of outsiders, of people different from them, threatens and enrages the crowd so much, they chase him to the top of a hill with the intention of throwing him off the cliff. We don't have to wait for the crucifixion to see the rejection of Jesus. It happens with his first sermon. It took a matter of minutes from going from favored son to, to degenerate stranger who offended them so badly they decided to kill him. Now, it would be easy to shake our heads at the people of Nazareth, shaming them for missing the mark so completely and trying to kill the savior of the world in their effort to shut him up completely. It would be easy, but certainly wouldn't be a genuine gesture, would it? And that's because we continue to do the same as a world, as a nation, as a church, as individuals. Human beings seem almost incapable of doing anything but dividing ourselves into insiders and outsiders, and we get mighty upset at those who threaten those identities. Some of these divisions are deep and systemic, and they have lasting impact on our society, and sadly continue to do so for generations to come. Racism, sexism, ageism, homophobia, transphobia, you name it. Others are trivial and harmless enough. Am I a dog or a cat person? Patriots or Rams? Coffee or tea? PC or Mac? And then there are the hundreds, no, make that thousands, of other ways we find to divide ourselves, even if we convince ourselves that that's not really what we're doing. We choose to move to places where people look like us, we put our kids into schools with other kids like them. We join groups of people who reflect our viewpoints. We read newspapers and books and consume social media that reinforces that what we believe to be is true. 
We talk to the people that we like, talk to those who agree with us. We befriend those who are like us. We curate our communities to become reflections of ourselves. And that's not all bad. We all need to spend time with those who like us and who we like, with people who make us laugh and people who are, at the end of the day, the ones who know us best of all. And it's comfortable being with those who are most like us. But, and it's a big but, it's not what the kingdom of God looks like. God's grace and love is for everyone. Those we like and those who make us positively apoplectic. And we know that in the church, but we don't like to hear it. We don't like to be reminded that Jesus himself preferred the company of misfits to the company of religious people. In that church, Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us, and I quote, we are dared to believe that it is God who makes us a community and not we ourselves, and that our differences are God's best tools for opening us up to the truth that is bigger than we are, end quote. So what do we do? I think a beginning to an answer to that question can be found in our second lesson today. It's a mighty familiar one that has found its way into many a wedding. We love. But before you get all excited about how easy that will be because it'll take us right back to our warm, cozy Jesus from our childhood, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I say this with the apologies to the Princess Bride. You keep using that word love. I do not think it means what you think it means. Loving the way God loves isn't reserved for those we don't like. It isn't a description of how we feel about someone. Actually, it isn't a feeling at all. It's an action. We love when we are patient, kind, and inclusive. We love when we can interact with someone and not be rude or envious or arrogant. We love when we don't insist that our way is the only way. We love when we can not only, excuse me, when we not only can hear the truth from those who are different from us, but when we can rejoice in that truth, even when we don't want to hear it. Jesus loved the people of Nazareth enough to tell them the truth, and he continues to do the same in our midst, showing up in those we love and those we hate, those that look like us and those who look radically different from us. Let us open our minds and hearts to the friends and strangers who tell us the truth about ourselves and about our God, even when it makes us want to do horrible and outrageous things to shut them up. In the name of the one who loves us and has given us life, amen.